morning, church, those that are here and those that are watching online. Uh, I kind of feel like this is just part of our, my relationship with God. Like I'd never seen God once with my eyes, and yet I know he's here. And I kind of feel that way this morning that even though I can't see you in these chairs, yet I know that you're here, either here in person or you're watching on uh, YouTube or wherever. And uh, so we'll just continue on the way that we normally do things. And then not only that, but I get the vision, you know, from uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, that we are surrounded with such a, a large multitude of people and angels that are around us. So if I can just imagine that every chair that is here this morning that is filled, if not with people, at least with angels. So I'm certainly glad for that here this morning. So we're going to open up with uh, Psalms 29, and thanks, Janine, for uh, giving us that little story and that memory verse from Ephesians, because I'm going to talk, too, about the power of God here this morning. But let's turn to Psalms 29, and we want to read the first, well, we want to read the whole psalm. There's only 11 verses that are there. It says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the hinds to calve and discovers the forest. And in his temple does everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sits upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sits king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that you would make it very real to us individually. Lord God, wherever we are this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would speak. I, I believe that you're going to speak here this morning. God, you're going to speak to our hearts, to our minds, or however you want to speak to us. We just want to be open to that. We want to receive what you have for us here this morning. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the, the background of this chapter is... I, I can see David camping out in the Le mountains of Lebanon. And uh, probably for his holidays or whatever, you know, we're talking about King David in the Old Testament, and he's, uh, he's probably camping in the mountains. And as he is there camping in the mountains, you know, there's suddenly a s summer thunderstorm that happens, and he is caught in that. And through the whole storm, God begins to speak to him about his voice. And God is saying to David, in essence, he says, listen, David, this is what my voice is like. This is what my voice can do. And so David is listening to this, and I think God must have been giving him revelation as he is going through this storm. And afterwards, David is so excited about what he experienced and what he saw that he starts out his psalm. As he begins to write it, he says, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And he just, get, he just enraptured with the voice of God, with the presence of God, realizing that God is there, God speaking to him, and God is making himself known to him. 
And uh, David's just so excited, and he's encouraging not only himself, but everybody that was probably camping with him, and also those of us who have read this down through the years. He's encouraging us to listen, praise God, give him worship, for God is great. His voice is mighty, his voice is powerful, his voice can do absolutely anything. Hallelujah. And so this morning, I, wanted, I don't want to go through the whole psalm, uh, psalm, but I want to take verse 4 as my text here this morning. And it says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Hallelujah. The voice of the Lord is powerful. Carol and I have camped in the mountains in B.C. a lot of times. And I remember one day that we were going out to camp beside uh, a lake. Uh, not at your camp, we are going to go boating. I was going to do the fishing. She was going to read the book while she was in the boat. And uh, as soon as we got out to the lake, it had been a clear sky, but now the clouds came pouring in over the mountaintops and right over top of that lake, and there was a summer storm that erupted, and there was thunder that reverberated from one side of the lake to the other, and there was lightning that struck pretty close to us, and it took me a few minutes to decide, I think maybe I better get off the lake, because we were in an aluminum boat, you know, when lightning uh, and aluminum kind of has, you know, draws itself to that, and so we did, but we enjoyed the, 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 the storm, we enjoyed the storm, and, and God also was speaking to my own heart about, you know, the summer storm and how God is in there. And uh, we find many, many times where in the Bible where it says that God's voice thundered. And I know oftentimes as Christians, we like to think, you know, well, it's a still small voice of God that counts. You know, but it's not always a still small voice. Sometimes it's the strong voice. Sometimes it's a powerful voice. Sometimes it's a voice that thunders, okay, that we need to pay attention to. And even though, you know, there's, we might not hear it with these ears, but sometimes the voice of God does thunder. I think of Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He was going there to, you know, capture Christians, persecute them, put some in jail, maybe have some of them killed. You know, and as he was on that road, suddenly God stopped him and God spoke to him. He brought him down to his knees and there was a, uh, there was a change that came into his life. The people that were with Saul, they, they heard a voice, but they didn't really hear it loud like Saul did. It changed Saul. It didn't change the other ones, but it changed Saul's life because it thundered in his heart, even though may not have thundered in the other people's heart. So God's voice is mighty, and it is powerful. You know, we've been living in such uh, backwards, if I can put it that way, you know, times in this last year. And we can, I, I know I can think about this COVID. I can think about all the stuff that's happening in the world today. And, uh, but this morning, I want to switch from that, and I want to get us, our eyes back on God. Get our eyes back on Jesus, because that's really what counts. That's really where our hope is. It's in God. It's in Jesus. It's in God speaking to us. And I trust that God will speak to us here this morning, even as we go through these two things. The voice of the Lord is powerful, and then secondly, the voice of the Lord is full of glory. Hallelujah voice of the Lord is powerful. There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about God's voice being powerful. And uh, I, I think of the creation of God. In Genesis chapter 1, we find the creation story. And the Bible says that God didn't, you know, muscle his way in creating the different things, you know, that were, that were created. But God spoke. 
the spoke. There's power in the voice of God. There's power and creative power in the voice of God. When he spoke, things happened. Things were created. Hallelujah. And so I believe God, we're living in the, we have the same God today. He can speak again, and he can create things in our lives and in our situations as well. So in Genesis chapter 1, it says, he spoke, and it was so. It was so. Hallelujah. There's at least 12 times in the Old Testament where it mentions that God created the planets, the stars, the universe, and he scattered it out there. And, uh, you know, we look up into the night sky, and we, we can see a measure of the stars. We, in the daytime, we can see the sun. In the evening, maybe we can see the moon coming up, you know, on the eastern horizon. You know, th these things are things that God uh, God created, and God did it, and he spoke them into creation. His voice is powerful. He spoke them into creation. Uh, the, the whole concept of evolution uh, is, is, is false. It's, it's not true. And I know it's been around for about 130 years, but it's not true. God created everything in its beauty, in its wholeness, in its fullness. It was not evolved from something small and got better and better and better and better. You know, that's not even the way that we see things in the world today. They deteriorate, they don't get better. I just look in the mirror and I find, you know, it doesn't uh, get better, it deteriorates. This whole body of mine, and that's the whole thing about life, is that it has a sense of deterioration, but when God created something, he created it complete, and he created it perfectly. Hallelujah. Psalms 8 and verse 2, or 3, it says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? Just the fingers of God created stuff. Just the fingers. He didn't even have to use his whole hand or his whole body. You know, his voice and his fingers created the heavens, you know, that we see out there uh, every day. Psalms 147 and verse 4, it says, He, that's talking about God, he tells the number of the stars, he calls them all by name. God knows how many stars there are, and he calls them all by name. I, I, I think the best that man can do, you know, I, we're still counting stars. The, the, the better telescopes that we have, you know, they're finding more and more stars and galaxies, and I don't know how many stars that they have found so far, but I know there's far more out there than what they found, okay? God put them there. God put them there, and he's, he's named every one of them. Every star, every planet, every moon, God has named them. Hallelujah. By his power and by his might. In Job 38, and I want to read some verses in there. Job 38 and verse 4 to 11. It says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? This is God talking to Job. Declare if you have understanding. Who has laid the measures thereof, if you know? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of a womb? When I made the cloud, uh, the garment thereof, and the thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it, uh, it my decree 
places and set bars and doors. And he keeps on talking about the creation of God and all these things. And he's saying to Job, Job, like, where were you? Like, you, they're, they're, you're just a speck of dust in comparison to my might and to my power and to my goodness. And because Job and his friends, they were, you know, they were accusing one another of different things. And God was saying, listen, get your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes back on me. Where were you when I created all this? Listen, you weren't even in existence when I created this. And so he talks about that, just talks about the power and the magnitude of God's voice that we can hear in our life. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12, it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who meted out the heavens with a span? And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. And then also verse uh, 22. It says, It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretched out the heaven as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. And verse 25. Uh, to whom will you liken me, or who shall I be equal, says the Holy One. And as we go through that chapter, we find that God, again, is talking about his creative power, what he has already done. And he says, listen, he said, I threw all those stars and the planets, and I put them all out there in the universe, and I spread them as a tent for my presence. I spread them as a tent for my presence. God is so big and so awesome that it's very difficult to comprehend just how big and how wonderful and how glorious he really is. He is a mighty God, and the voice that he has is very, very powerful. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 51, verse 15 and 16. It says, He made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom. Uh, he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. So again, just another verse talks about, you know, what God did by his voice in creating and establishing not only the world but the heavens as well. God's voice is powerful. God's voice is powerful. And I trust that when you hear the voice of God that you will always associate that with the power of God, okay? When God speaks, there's power that's released. When God speaks, there's power that is released. Okay, and don't think that God's voice is weak. It never has been. It never will be. God's voice is powerful, and when he speaks to you, it will create something absolutely wonderful. Hallelujah. Not only did he make big things like the universe, but God also made even the smallest things. The smallest things. You know, we think of butterflies. We think of the little ants and all the little things that we can barely see with our eyes. You know, God created all of that in his power, and he spoke it into existence. Hallelujah. And so we can comprehend that a little bit as we look at things around us. God has made all of that. Then I like what it says, what Peter uh, wrote uh, about our salvation. Uh, again, it's talking about the power of God's word. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to 25. It says, we are, being, we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof fails away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Anytime God has ever spoken to you, 
or done anything in your life. Let me tell you, he spoke it, and he says, that word is not diminished. That word has not lost its power. That word, when I spoke to your heart and I invited you to become my children, he says, that voice is still out there and is powerful. It's still keeping you. It's still watching over you because it's an eternal word. It's an everlasting word. It's a powerful word. Hallelujah. I take so much comfort in that, knowing that, you know, when God spoke to my heart when I was just that eight-year-old boy or seven, whatever it was, when God spoke to me about, you know, coming to him, and I came to him, I'm glad that voice that I heard that morning is still around me today. Hallelujah. And still keeping me and is still watching over me. I'm not living my life by my own strength and power, but I'm living my life by the words that he has spoken over me and also to me. Hallelujah. I, I, I love that fact. We're born again, not of corruptible, not of something that's going to corrupt and wade, fade away, but he has saved us by his incorruptible word, by his word that lives forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Now, I want to go on to the second part, talking about the voice of the Lord is full of majesty, full of majesty. I, 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 that word full grabbed a hold of me when I was reading through this. You know, it's not just a little bit of majesty that God just, you know, sprinkles here and there. But the Bible says that his voice, whenever he speaks, there's always majesty that is created. Always there is majesty. There's always something that is excellent, okay, that is created when God speaks his word to us. And uh, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. When he speaks to us, there's life that happens. There's always life that happens when God speaks to us. Thank you, Lord. Other words for majesty, because we don't use that word majesty very often. It's not part of our vocabulary. You know, I don't talk to my wife, but boy, you're sure majestic this morning. I might use other words, but I usually don't use the word majestic. I might use the word, you're beautiful, I, you know, you're excellent, uh, you're significant to me. And, and so these are some of the other words for majesty that we can come up with. Impressive. Impressive. God's voice is impressive. Hallelujah. He impresses us when he speaks. It's magnificent. It's superb. It's splendid. It's monumental. I like that word, monument, monumental. It's big. It's not just something small, but it's big. When God speaks, this majesty is big around us. Hallelujah. It's grandeur and it's regal. And uh, we're going to look at the, uh, some of the uh, sunsets and, and the northern, uh, northern lights, okay, that we've been seeing this winter. The, the, the sunsets have just been excellent this last Year. I, I don't know about you, maybe people are becoming more aware of them, but I see more pictures of sunsets on Facebook than I've ever, ever seen before. Beautiful sunsets. I've even taken a few myself and put them on Facebook, you know, but it seems like God is just saying, listen, in the midst of your, you know, of COVID, in the midst of your, uh, of, uh, uh, of your confinement, he says, I want to show you my beauty. I want to show you how magnificent I am. I want to show you how significant, you know, my, what I can do, and I can show it to your eyes, and you can see it. And I just love the sunsets. I, I, I just, you know, I, I love to be out there. There's been more than once when I've grabbed my camera and I've gone out to the street or wherever, and I've taken a picture, you know, from my, my phone. And, and I just love that because God is saying, listen, I have created beauty 
around you. I've created beauty around you. Hallelujah. His majesty sticks out uh, in, in every area. In nature, we find, and we've been talking about that, sunsets and northern stars and so on, or northern lights. Uh, but in nature, we find, you know, that the, uh, the majesty of what God created. I was born in Saskatchewan, so, uh, and we didn't travel very much when I was a kid. And uh, I never left the province until I was, what, about 20? I'd never seen the mountains. And I had seen pictures of the mountains. I'd never seen them. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to. And in our third year of Bible school, our, the third year class was going to Banff, you know, for a seminar or a conference. And, and uh, so I was all excited because this is going to be my first time I was going to see the mountains. And uh, uh, when we left Calgary, it was kind of like foggy and cloudy, and the mountains, you couldn't see the mountains. And uh, it wasn't until we had gone past the gates, you know, into the national park. And we're going down that straight road, and at the end of that road, before you turn left and go into Banff, at the end of that road, there's a mountain that begins to stick out. And as we got closer to that, I was looking out my side window of the car. I wasn't driving, but somebody else was driving. I was just looking out the side, and I looked up and up and up, and the clouds had parted and disappeared, and I was looking at this mountain in front of me, my first sight of a mountain, and it seemed like I couldn't see the top of it. There was a ring of clouds about partway down, and then I could see the peak sticking up above that, and I'll tell you, I thought it was magnificent. I thought it was magnificent, and I still do. I still do. Mountains catch our attention. Carol and I, whenever we go out to BC, and we try to do it at least once or twice a year, you know, as soon as we get anywhere close, just on the other side of the Lethbridge, you can get your first vision of mountains. Or between Calgary, uh, Brooks and Calgary, you know, you get your first vision of the mountains there. And we're always looking in that direction because we both love the mountains. There's something majestic, something so significant about them, you know, that we love. And, and uh, you know, we, it just feels like more like home to us. Uh, you know, the prairies are nice too, and, and, uh, but we love the mountains. We, we love them, the significance that is there, you know, in the mountains. You know, ever since we started going to the mountains, and we not, not only did we see mountains, but we saw waterfalls, waterfalls, you know, falling from way up there, thousands of feet up, you know, and falling down, uh, uh, you know, on the edge of the mountain. And, and that, again, that was just so majestic to us and something very significant. We'd never seen that sort of thing before. And then when you get into the interior of, B, of BC, well, you can see them also in Alberta, but you see the azure-colored lakes that are there. Again, just magnificent, just so beautiful, you know, that are there. And uh, uh, also, the, if you ever get a chance to climb up the mountains, you know, in July, the alpine flowers, you know, you can't compare anybody's garden with that. The alpine flowers are just so wonderful as you climb up into those areas. Hallelujah. So in nature, we find, you know, there's majesty that is there. Solomon, um, probably because he had camped in the mountains with his dad, Solomon, uh, he built a house in the mountains of Lebanon. And you can read about that in 1 Kings uh, chapter 9 and chapter 10, the house that he built and the different things he put in there. He made the shields of pure gold. 
gold was his special mineral that he enjoyed. Uh, and, and, and he made his shields of gold. All the vessels inside the house were made of gold. He had a throne that was made of ivory, and it was covered with gold. All of this is magnificent. All of this is full of majesty. The way Solomon saw the majesty of God was how he created things and how he made things himself. You know, he made them to look magnificent and full of majesty. Now, David, on the other hand, he looked at, uh, you know, the, the majesty of God and the beauty of God in a different way. And, and he saw the beauty of holiness, Psalms 29, we talked about that, read that. You know, he, the beauty of holiness. He said, you know, there's something beauty, beautiful in holiness. There's something so awe-inviting in, about the holiness of God. It's not just a moral character, but there's something that goes way beyond that. The very character of God is full of majesty. Hallelujah. Majesty has energy. I think of Jesus when he walked on this earth and all the miracles he did, all the, mir all the people that he healed, and every miracle, every healing that he, he accomplished. I tell you, there was majesty that was left, if not to the people that were just watching it, at least to the people that were healed. You know, it was God's voice or Jesus' voice that was full of majesty. It created things. It has energy. It did something to those that were sick, and it raised them up from their deathbeds. If those that were blind, it opened the blind eyes and opened the deaf ears. And the majesty that was created just simply by the voice of Jesus as he walked around and did uh, all these miracles. Hallelujah. And also the extension of grace and love and mercy. You know, these things too you know, declare to us the majesty of God. We are clothed with love, the love of God. We are clothed with that. It's, an, it's like an outer garment that we put on. You know, the love of God. I am clothed with the love of God. And if you're listening this morning, whether you're here in the church building or wherever, you know, you need to picture this. You need to see this. God has clothed you with his love. That's part of the garments of salvation. He has clothed you with his grace and with his mercy. He has clothed you with these things. Hallelujah. Now, our salvation experience itself is such a majestic thing. It's such a marvelous thing. It's so stupendous that, you know, when we look at it from the Bible, we say, you know, well, <laughs> that goes way beyond my imagination. And I want to use a little illustration this morning. And I, I kind of like cowboy books I read. And, you know, and they, they talk about cattle or horses that, get bogged down in bogs. And, uh, you know, the horse thinks, oh, hey, there's water there. There's grass coming up. That must be a good place. So the horse steps into that, and he begins to sink. So then he flounders, takes another step forward, and he sinks even further. And in, within a matter of days, because he can't get out in his own strength, in a matter of days, the only thing that's showing is his head, you know, above the bog. And the cowboys, if they don't reach him pretty soon and pull this horse out or pull this cow out, that thing is going to sink down uh, totally out of sight. And you know, in your life and my life, that's what we were like before we were Christians. We were mired down in sin, in corruption and evil. You know, and we say, well, I wasn't that bad. No, but the Bible says we were, and that's what counts. You know, all our righteousness is filthy rags. 
You know, and none of us were good. No, not one. You know, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3. We were bogged down in sin and in corruption and evil, and we were sinking lower and lower and lower, even though we didn't realize it. You know, we were sinking, and there's a day coming, you know, when if we would not uh, uh, receive Christ and come to him for help, cry out to him for help, that we would sink right down and be lost for eternity. What a picture. But Jesus came. My royal cowboy. <laughs> he came when I was sinking. He came when I was mired down in sin and corruption and evil. And he saw me sinking. And when I said, Jesus, I need you, I want you, he threw his rope of love around me and he pulled me out and set my feet, you know, on a solid place. He washed me down. He cleansed me totally, you know, from the top to the bottom, from the inside to the out. He cleansed me, and he put new garments on me, and he caused me to sit together with him in heavenly places. I'll tell you, my, my salvation experience and your salvation experience is so majestic and so wonderful and so awesome that we need to see it in a new light. Need to see it in a new light. Hallelujah. God has done excellent things for us, whereof we are glad. It says, and David said that in the Psalms. In the Song of Solomon, we have a picture of a young bride, Solomon's wife, one of his wives. She was black in color. And uh, the young maidens in Jerusalem, you know, they used to tease her because of her color. I mean, Solomon had already accepted her. But they teased her because of her color. You know, and if we're teased about something long enough, and if people have talked to us about something long enough, you know, we begin to believe them. And she was beginning to believe what these other daughters of Jerusalem were saying. You know, like, you're black. You're not very much accepted. And she said, oh, yeah. She said, black's good. And it is. It's good. doesn't matter what color of skin it is. It's always good. And it wasn't until, you know, Solomon came. And he said, listen, he says, you've been looking at yourself in the wrong light. Let me tell you what's inside of you. Doesn't matter what color skin you got. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. Let me tell you what's inside of you. He said, I see, I've got to find that in my notes here. I see a garden that's enclosed. He said, I see a spring that is shut up. I see a fountain that is sealed. He said, I see plant, uh, plants and orchards of pomegranates with pleasant fruit. I see the, the a fragrance of campfire and spicknard, spicknard and saffron, calamus with cinnamon, and with all these things, I'm not sure, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and alloys. And he says, all these chief spices, he says, I see them in you. In you. In you. She might have thought, well, I didn't put on, you know, my perfume this morning. I didn't powder my nose or whatever women do, you know, in the morning to make themselves look beautiful. But Solomon is saying, listen, it's all inside of you. It's all inside of you. This is what Solomon saw. And when he began to speak that, it just drew that out of her and into her imagination. And she said, yeah, there's more to me than what I realized. You know, God had, uh, the, the, God had done something inside of me that is so wonderful, and I need to let it out. Solomon says, you've enclosed that in your life. You've shut yourself in. You don't even see it. But he says, I see it because God is showing me that these things are true in your life. You are beautiful beyond imagination. 
Hallelujah. And we are. Our salvation experience is more than just a forgiving of sins, brothers and sisters. That, thanks God that he forgave our sins. But it's far more than that. God the Father and Jesus the Son, they wanted to get sin out of the way between us and them because they want an intimate relationship with you and me. They want an intimate relationship with you and me. Hallelujah. And, and so, yeah, come to him. Let him forgive your sins. But listen, he wants an intimate relationship with you. And that's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for. If you're listening this morning, you know, on Facebook or YouTube or wherever, and you have never, ever seen yourself in that bog of sin and corruption and evil, because you think your life is pretty good. Listen, God tells you, or God tells every one of us, our life is not very good. You know, the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, they thought that, you know, they're good. They had lots of money. Things were going well. The jobs were doing well and so on. And God says, you guys have no idea that inside, he says, you're full of corruption and evil. He says, inside, you're full of corruption and evil. But listen, God changes that around. Even though our outward part might not look so great, but our inward part, when Jesus saves us and he changes us, it becomes very, very beautiful, very beautiful. His voice is full of majesty. If you're listening this morning and you never, ever heard God speak to your heart, or maybe you have, but you've never given your heart to the Lord, you should do that this morning. Do that this morning. I believe God's speaking to you. See yourself in that bog. Jesus is there. He'll pull you out, but you've got to come to him, and you've got to ask him, and he will help you. Hallelujah. And if you are a Christian, if you're bogged down with fear or anxiety or anger or whatever it is, you know, again, Jesus is there. He wants to help you. And I'm going to ask Tara to come and just uh, close another song here this morning. But I just want to invite you, you know, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He's that royal cowboy, <laughs> okay, that wants to tug you out of the mire of sin or fear or anxiety or whatever it is. Jesus wants to do that. So, Father, I thank you this morning that you are a great God. Your voice is so awesome. It's so powerful. It's so full of majesty. And, God, we surrender to that voice this morning because that voice changes us. It changes us. There's energy in that voice. And as you're speaking to our hearts, I pray that we would respond. We would respond. And that we would that we would give up this whole thing about, well, I'll do it tomorrow. I pray that we would do it right now. It's just a simple thing, simple thing. Confess that you're bogged down. Make a confession to Jesus, and he wants to help you and lift you out. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
majestic and lions are majestic but Lord they are just the created things you are the creator you alone are truly awesome it's a privilege 
that we have to worship you. It's a privilege we have to serve you and to give our lives to you, Lord. You are so great. Lord, would you give us a fresh revelation, a, 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 a great revelation of how great you are, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are involved in our lives, Lord. That you are involved in the smallest detail to the biggest detail of our lives. And I'm just in awe. So, Lord, we thank you for being involved. We thank you, Lord God, for reaching down to us, for speaking to us. And, Lord, we thank you so much for this encouraging word, for this word that makes us look up, that encourages us, that causes us to think about higher things than what we're currently experiencing. So, Father, as we let this word uh, stir in our minds and in our hearts, Lord, would you continue to use it to sharpen us, to strengthen us, to build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we don't want to finish a service without inviting you to prayer. And so if you have any prayer needs whatsoever, would you please message us on Facebook Messenger? There are people that are active on Messenger right now and are waiting and wanting to pray with people. And so if you message us on Facebook Messenger, someone will respond to you in the next 25 minutes here. And we'd love to see you hear from God, see God move in your life, have significant things happen for you in the name of Jesus. And so thank you so much for coming. Have yourself a wonderful week. God bless. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this morning at Living Hope Community Church. If you love what we're doing and you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can go to livinghope-ca.org backslash give and choose a giving option that works best for you. Or if God did something in your life and you want to, we want to know about it. So if you can send us a quick email at amen at livinghope-ca.org. Again, thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great week.